0: Chapter 4 of Recruit for Andromeda by Stephen Marlowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4. Petrovich, S.A. called the comrade standing abreast of the head of the line, a thin, nervous man half a head shorter than the girl herself. Sofia Androvna Petrovich strode forward, took a pair of trim white shorts from the neat stack at his left. Is that all? she said, looking at him. Yes, comrade. Well, a woman. Well. Without embarrassment, Sophia had seen the men ahead of her in line strip and climb into the white shorts before they disappeared through a portal ahead of the line, depositing their clothing in a growing pile on the floor. But now it was Sophia's turn, after almost a two-hour wait. Not that it was chilly, but... Is that all? She repeated. Certainly. Strip and move along, comrade. The nervous little man appraised her lecherously, she thought. "'Then I must keep some of my own clothing,' she told him. "'Impossible. I have my orders.' "'I am a woman. You are a volunteer for a Stolintrek. You will take no personal property, no clothing, with you. Strip and advance, please.' Sophia flushed slightly, while the men behind her began to call and taunt. "'I like this Stolintrek. Oh, yes!' We are waiting, comrade! Quickly, and with an objective detachment which surprised her, Sophia unbuttoned her shirt, removed it. Her one wish, and an odd one she thought, smiling, was for wax for her ears. She loosened the three snaps of her skirt, watched it fall to the floor. She stood there briefly, lithe-limbed, a tall, slim girl, then had the white shorts over her nakedness in one quick motion. She still wore a coarse halter. All personal effects, comrade, said the nervous little man. No, Sophia told him. But yes, definitely yes. You hold up the line and we have a schedule to maintain. The trek demands quick, prompt obedience. Then you will give me one additional item of clothing. The man looked at Sophia's halter at the fine way she filled it. He shrugged. Uh, we don't have it, he said, clearly enjoying himself. In volunteering for the Stalin Trek, Sophia had invaded man's domain. She had watched not with embarrassment, but with scorn while the men in front of her got out of their clothing. She had invaded man's domain, and as she watched them, the short flabby ones, the bony ones with protruding ribs and collarbones, those of milky white skin and soft hands, she knew most of them would bite off more than they could chew if they ever tried what was the most natural thing for men to try with a lone woman in an isolated environment but she was in a man's world now. And if that was the way they wanted it, she would ask no quarter. She reached up quickly with one hand and unfastened the halter, catching it with her free hand and holding it in front of her breasts while the nervous little man licked his lips and gaped. Sophia grabbed another pair of the white shorts, tore it quickly with her strong fingers, fashioning a crude covering for herself. This she pulled around her, fastening it securely with a knot in the back. You'll have to give that back to me, declared the nervous little comrade. "'I'll bet you a sum of our on that,' Sophia said quietly, so only the man heard her. He reached out, as if to rip the crude halter from her body, but Sophia met him halfway with her strong, slim fingers, wrapping them around his biceps and squeezing. The man's face turned quickly to white as he tried unsuccessfully to free his arm. "'Please, that hurts!' "'I'll keep what I'm wearing,' She tightened her grip, but gazed serenely into space as the man stifled a whimper. Well, the man whispered indecisively as he gritted his teeth. Fool, said Sophia. Your arm will be black and blue for a week. While you men grow soft and lazy, many of the women take their gymnastics seriously, especially if they want to keep their figures with the work they must do and the food they must eat. I am stronger than you, and I will hurt you unless and her hand tightened around his scrawny arm until her knuckles showed white. "'Where would you have and go?' the man pleaded and moaned softly when Sophia released his numb arm and strode through the portal, still drawing whistles and leers from the other men, who missed the byplay completely. "'So we're on Mars. It ain't nowhere after all. It's Mars. Wait and see, Busta, wait and see. Kind of cold, isn't it? Well—' this was Venus and some of them beautiful one-armed dames was waiting for us, that's just a statue, stupid. Look at all them people down there, will you? You think they're Martians? Stupid! We ain't the first ones went on the nowhere journey. What are we waiting for? It sure will feel good to stretch your legs. Let's go! Look out, Mars, here I come. It would have been just right for a Hollywood epic, Temple thought. The rusty, ochre emptiness spreading out towards the horizon in all directions, spotted occasionally with pale green and frosty white. The sky gray with but a shade of blue in it. Distant gusts of Martian wind swirling ochre clouds across the desert. The spaceship poised on its ungainly bottom. A great silver bowling ball with rocket tubes for finger holes. And the Martians from Earth who had been here on this alien world for 780 days, or twice 780, or three times and who fought in frenzied eagerness like savages to reach the descending gangplank first. Hey, Martians! Any of you guys speak English? Ha <laughs> ha! I said any of you guys! Where are all them canals I heard so much about? You think maybe they're dangerous? <laughs> no dames. Hey, no dames! Who are you expecting? Donna Donnelly? What kind of place is Mars with no women? What do they do here anyway? Just sit around and wait for the next rocket? I'm cold. Get used to it, brother. Get used to it. Look out, Mars. Here I come. Who won the series last year? Detroit? Hey, bud, tell me. Are dames still wearing those one-piece things, all colors, so you can see their legs up to about here and their chests down to about here? Which one of you guys can tell me what it's like to take a bath? I mean a real bath in a real bathtub. Hey, we licked Russia yet? We heard they were going to send some dames. Dames? (laughs) You're breaking my heart. Tell me what a steak tastes like. So thick. Me? Give me a bowl of steamed oysters. And a dame. Dames. Girls. Women. Females. Chicks. Tomatoes. Frails. Dames. 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 They did not seem to mind the cold, these Earth Martians. Temple guessed they never spent much time out of doors, above ground, for there were no buildings. Because all seemed pale and white. While the sun was weaker, so was the protection offered by a thinner atmosphere. The sun's actinic rays could burn, and so could the sand-driving wind. But pale skins could not be the result of staying indoors, for Temple noted the lack of man-made structures at once. Underground, then. The Earth-Martians lived underground like moles. Doing what? And for what reason? With what ultimate goal, if any? And where did those men who did not remain on Mars go? Temple's head whirled with countless questions and no answers. Shoulder to shoulder with Arkalian, he made his way down the gangplank, turning up the collar of his jumper against the stinging wind. You got any newspapers, pal? Magazines? phonograph records? Gossip? News film? Who's the heavyweight champ? We licked those commies in Burma yet? Step back, watch that man. Maybe he's your replacement. (laughs) Replacement? (laughs) That's good. All types of men. All ages. In torn, tattered clothing mostly. In rags. Even if a man seemed more well-groomed than the rest, on closer examination, Temple could see the careful stitching, the patches, the fades, and stains. No one seemed to mind. Hey, bud, what did you hear about rotation? They passed any laws yet? I've been here ten years. When do I get rotated? Ain't that something? Dad Jenks came here with the first ship. Don't you talk about rotation. Ask Dad. Better not mention that word to Dad Jenks. He sees red. This whole damn planet's red. Want a guided tour of nowhere, men? Step right up. Arcalion grinned. They seem so well-adjusted, he said, then shuddered against the cold and followed Temple with the others through the crowd. They were inoculated against nameless diseases. Watch for the needle with the hook. They were told again they had arrived on the planet Mars. No kidding. Led to a drab, underground city, dimly lit, dank, noisome with mold and mildew. Quick, the chlorophyll! assigned bunks in a dormitory with four men to a room, be it ever so humble, bah, told to keep things cleaned and assigned temporarily to a garbage pickup detail. For this I left Sheboygan. Read to, from the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and Public Law 1182. Concerned with the nowhere journey, it told them nothing they did not already know. Given a complete battery of tests, mental, emotional, and physical, as Temple ever knew existed, "'Cripes, man, how the hell should I know what the cube root of negative five is? I never finished high school!' Subjected to an exhaustive, overlong, and at times meaningless personal interview. "'No, Doc, honest, I never knew I had the uh, anxiety neurosis. Is it dangerous?' "'How do you do, Temple? Sit down.' "'Thank you. Thought you'd like to know that while your overall test score is not uncanny, it's decidedly high.' "'So what?' "'So nothing!' Not necessarily. Except that with it you have a very well-balanced personality. We can use you, Temple. That's why I'm here. I mean, elsewhere. Mars is only a way station, a training center for a select few. It takes an awful lot of administrative work to keep this place going, which explains the need for all the station personnel. Listen, the last few weeks I had everything thrown at me. Everything. The works. Mind answering one question? Shoot. What's this all about? Temple, I don't know. You what? I know you find it hard to believe, but I don't. There isn't a man here on Mars who knows the whole story either, and certainly not on Earth. We know enough to keep everything in operation, and we know it's important, all of it, everything we do. You mentioned a need for some men elsewhere. Where? The psychiatrist shrugged. I don't know. Somewhere. Anywhere. He spread his hands out eloquently. That's where the Nowhere Journey comes in. Surely you can tell me something more than- Absolutely not. It isn't that I don't want to. I can't. I don't know. Well, one more question I'd like you to answer. The psychiatrist lit a cigarette, grinned. Say, who is interviewing whom? This one I think you can tackle. I have a brother, Jason Temple, embarked on the Nowhere Journey five years ago. I wonder, so that's the one factor in your psychograph we couldn't figure out. Anxiety over your brother. I doubt it, shrugged Temple. More likely my fiancé. Mmm, common enough. You were to be married? Yes. Stephanie, what are you doing now? Right now? That's what hurts the most. Well, yes, I can find out about your brother. The psychiatrist flicked a toggle on his desk. Jameson, find what you can on Temple. Jason, year of... 1987. Temple supplied. 1987. We'll wait. After a moment or two, the voice came through faintly metallic. Temple. Jason. Arrival 1987. Psychograph 115-B12. Mental Aggregate 98. psychom Good to excellent. Training two years. Space Perception Concentrate. Others. Shipped out 1989. So Jace had shipped out for nowhere. Some day you'll follow in your brother's footsteps, Temple. Now, though, I have a few hundred questions I'd like you to answer. The psychiatrist hadn't exaggerated. Several hours of questioning followed. Once reminded of her, Temple found it hard to keep his thoughts off Stephanie. He left the psychiatrist's office more confused than ever. Good morning, child. You are Stephanie Andrews? Stephanie hadn't felt up to working that first morning after Kit's final goodbye. She answered the door in her bathrobe, saw a small, middle-aged woman with graying hair and a kind face. "'That's right. Won't you come in?' "'Thank you. I represent the Complete Emancipation League, Miss Andrews.' "'Complete Emancipation League? Oh, something to do with politics?' "'Really, I'm not much interested in—that's entirely the trouble,' declared the older woman. "'Too many of us are not interested in politics.' "'I'd like to discuss the C.E.L. with you, my dear, "'if you will bear with me a few minutes.' "'All right,' said Stephanie. "'Would you like a glass of sherry?' "'In the morning?' "'The older woman smiled. "'I'm sorry. Don't mind me. "'My fiancé left yesterday, took his final goodbye. "'He—he embarked on the nowhere journey. "'I realize that. "'It is precisely why I am here. "'My dear, the C.E.L. does not want to fight the government.' If the government decides that the Nowhere Journey is vital for the welfare of the country, even if the government won't or can't explain what the Nowhere Journey is, that's all right with us. But if the government says there's a rotation system, but does absolutely nothing about it, we're interested in that. Do you follow me? Yes, cried Stephanie. Oh, yes, go on. The CEL has 68 people in Congress for the current term. We hope to raise that number to 75 for next election. It's a long fight, a slow uphill fight, and frankly, my dear, we need all the help we can get. People, young women like yourself, my dear, are entirely too lethargic, if you'll forgive me. You ought to forgive me, said Stephanie, if you will. You know, it's funny. I had vague ideas about helping Kit, about finding some way to get him back, only to tackle something like that alone. I'm only twenty-one, just a girl, and I don't know anyone important. No one ever comes back, that's what you hear but there's a rotation system. You also hear that. If I can be of any help... You certainly can, my dear. We'd be delighted to have you. Then, eventually, maybe, just maybe, we'll start getting them rotated home? We can't promise a thing. We can only try. And I never did say we'd try to get the boys rotated, my dear. There is a rotation system in the law, right there in Public Law 1182. But if no men have ever been rotated... There must be a reason for it. Yes, but... But we'll see. If, for some reason, rotation simply is not practicable, we'll find another way. Which is why we call ourselves the CEL, Complete Emancipation League, for women. If men must embark on the nowhere journey, the least they can do is let their women volunteer to go along with them if they want to, since it may be forever. Let a bunch of women get to this nowhere place, and you'll never know what might happen. That's what I say. Something about the gray-haired woman's earthly confidence imbued Stephanie with an optimism she never expected. "'Well,' she said, smiling, "'if we can't bring ourselves to Mohammed, "'No, that's all wrong. "'To the mountain? "'Yes, there's an old saying, but it isn't important. "'You get the idea. "'My dear, how would you like to go to nowhere?' "'I—' "'To Kit anywhere, anywhere!' "'I'll never forget yesterday, Kit, darling. "'Never.' "'I make no promises, Stephanie.' but it may be sooner than you think. Morning be hanged, perhaps I will have some sherry after all. Um, you wouldn't by any chance have some Canadian instead. Humming, Stephanie dashed into the kitchen for some glasses. There were times when the real Alaric Arcalian III wished his father would mind his own business. Like that thing about the Nowhere Journey, for instance. Maybe Alaric Sr. didn't realize it, but being the spoiled son of a billionaire wasn't all fun. I'm a dilettante. Alaric would tell himself often, gazing in the mirror, a bored dilettante at the age of twenty-one. Which, in itself, he had to admit, wasn't too bad. But having reneged on the nowhere journey in favor of a stranger twice his age who now carried his, Alaric's, face had engendered some annoying complications. You'll either have to hide or change your own appearance and identity, Alaric. Hide? For how long, father? I can't be sure. Years, probably. That's crazy. I'm not going to hide for years. Then change your appearance, your way of life, your occupation. I have no occupation. Get one. Change your face, too. Your fingerprints. It can be done. Become a new man. Live a new life. In hiding, there was boredom. Impossible boredom. In the other alternative, there was adventure. Intrigue. But uncertainty. One part of young Alaric craved that uncertainty. The rest of him shunned it. In a way, it was like the Nowhere Journey all over again. Maybe Nowhere wouldn't have been so bad, said Alaric to his father, choosing as a temporary alternative in retreat what he knew couldn't possibly happen. Couldn't it? If I choose another identity, I'd be eligible again for the Nowhere Journey. By George, I hadn't considered that. No, wait, you could be older than 26. I like it the way I am, Alaric said, pouting. Then you'll have to hide. I spent ten million dollars to secure your future, Alaric. I don't want you to throw it away. Alaric pouted some more. Let me think about it. Fair enough, but I'll want your answer tomorrow. Meanwhile, you are not to leave the house. Alaric agreed, verbally, but took the first opportunity which presented itself, that very night, to sneak out of the servant's door, go downtown, and get stewed to the gills. At two in the morning, he was picked up by the police for disorderly conduct. It had happened before. After losing a fistfight to a much poorer, much meaner drunk in a downtown bar, they questioned Alaric at the police station, examined his belongings, went through his wallet, notified his home. Fuming, Alaric senior rushed to the police station to get his son. He was met by the desk sergeant, a fat, balding man who wore his uniform in a slovenly fashion. "Mr. Arcalion, demanded the sergeant, picking at his teeth with a toothpick, "Yes, I have come from Alaric." My son Sure, sure. But your son's in trouble, mister Arcalian. Serious trouble. What are you talking about? If there are any damages I'll pay. He didn't hurt anyone, did he? The sergeant broke the toothpick between his teeth, laughed. Him? Nah. He got the hell beat out of him by a drunk half his size. It ain't that kind of trouble, mister Arcallian. You know what an eleven eighty two card is, mister? Arcalion's face drained white. Why, yes, Alaric's got one, naturally. According to the card, he should have shipped out on the nowhere journey, mister. He didn't. He's in serious trouble. I'll see the district attorney. More than likely, you'll see the attorney general. Serious trouble. End of chapter four.